Caprari had a good goal as well. I thought. Oh, that was no, that was it. That was Caprari. Excuse me, that was Caprari's goal. Um, yeah, Caprari. I had to throw. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was like the throw was nice. Caprari was really nice. <laughs> All right, three, two, one. Now. Those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verde mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is and always at the highest level. Frank Crivello here, happy to have you along for the ride yet again. Uh, joining me as always is co-host, father, and uh, now part-time pest exterminator, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. <laughs> Jack of all trades. What's up, Frank? How are you? Not, not, not much. A little, little ant problem when you came home from the D.C. United game today, huh? Yeah, yeah, just uh, to add to my my fun today, so uh, it's nice to come home to a little problem like that. Oh, when it rains, it pours. That's right, that's (laughs) right. It's a beautiful thing, so um, uh, we're not inter, look at it that way. This is true, this is very true. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just that when that happened, and uh, we'll talk about that game a little bit here coming up, but um, uh, I just... uh, I, I tweeted, oh, Inter, you're just out there doing Inter things again, aren't you? So, and I think everybody understood what I meant. <laughs> so, um, but then Roma went out and did some Roma things. Uh, it was a, it was kind of a, kind of a weird weekend here in Serie A. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. Teams coming back from the international break. Some teams having their eye on European competition in the middle of the week. And <clears throat> that is exact, that is exactly where we're going to begin uh, this podcast. We're going to uh, preview uh, our Serie A teams in Europe um, with the uh, UEFA Champions League first, followed by the Europa League. Four teams in the UEFA Champions League. We've talked in pods past about the draws. Now let's talk about the games. Tuesday, it start, um, we have Inter uh, playing host to Tottenham. And when I look at these, it looks like, Richard, there's, they're going to kick off um, according to UEFA.com, they're kicking off a couple hours before, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the rest of the games that are slated at uh, three o'clock Eastern time, two o'clock central time. Um, I'm not sure why, um, but Barcelona is also going to kick off at the same time. But if we start with Inter and Tottenham, um, and, uh, you know, right now two teams, you know, in a, in a little bit of indifferent form, uh, I mean, Tottenham, I, Tottenham is uh, coming off of a loss at home to Liverpool, two goals to one, and I think they lost another game uh, so far here in the Premier League this season. So they're off to a little bit of a choppy start. Uh, where Inter, their problems are pretty well documented. They heading into the break, they beat Bologna three uh, nil, but they lost at Sassuolo. They drew um, with Torino after having a two nil lead, and then they lost to Parma uh, here in match uh, week number four. So. I mean, can we take some comfort that Tottenham's having their struggles too and that maybe Inter have a chance, Richard? I mean, you can always rest on that, right? You can, you can always hope on hope, but um, it's going to be tough. Uh, both teams are not where they want to be uh, as far as form-wise. However, if I had to say you know, which, two, which of the two teams is in better shape, 
I would put my money on Tottenham um, just to see. Just because I w- watching some of their games, they look like they're playing well. They're just they're just not finding that final third. Inter are just being dysfunctional. Inter and it's it's very worrying because you see some of the results and the teams are losing to, and you're thinking, wait a minute, you know, if it had been like Juve, Napoli, and and maybe like Roma or something lost to them, you're like, okay, well, those are good teams. They're losing to like the, the ilk of Sassuolo and Parma and stuff, so. Yeah, it's it's a bit worrying for them. Uh, I I don't know what to make of them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting coming up here Tuesday. Um, if it's pretty much uh, an, an obvious thing to state here that if Inter have any chance of qualifying out of this group, these three points are a must. Yeah, I mean, this group is is to put to say difficult is an understatement. Um, and they need to get all the points they can get because it doesn't look very uh promising if you if you if you will uh so they need to start off the send off the start of the group right especially when you're at home you got to get three points i mean if you want any chance of, of making it out of the group you're going to have to get your points you know an unconventional way an unconventional way is being a team when your your team is very out of form mm-hmm. indeed <clears throat> um i mean when you look at inter over the course of the four games that they've played this season they have kept out center forwards with the exception of a goal from andrea Bellotti, but um, Harry Kane is at a level certainly well beyond anything that they faced, even Andrea Bellotti, with all due respect to him. Um, you know, containing him is the key. Inter should have some confidence with the center backs that they have available to him. But I think the, the, the guy that could be prominent here and that could really give Inter problems is uh, Christian Eriksen. Your thoughts, on, your thoughts on that and then maybe some of the other danger areas with Tottenham going into this game. Yeah, certainly Erickson is the focal point for Tottenham. He is the guy who pulls all the strings. Uh, we've seen what he's done in, in Champions League past and also in, in the Premier League. Um, he's certainly going to be instrumental. I know we as Milanisti were hoping he would get him years ago and it never came to fruition. Uh, he's But he's coming to his own now at, at Tottenham and it's become a really, really special player both for Tottenham and uh, for Denmark. Um, you know, if Inter going to focus on him, if like Nangolan or whoever want to focus on him, that's fine and dandy. But you know, you got guys like uh, uh, Dele Ali. Uh, you got you know, you got the the former uh, Syria outcast. Um, oh, what is his name? Is draw- now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Lamella. But- yes, thank you, Lamella. Yep. Yeah, yep. Lamella. Lamella is a guy. Um, but they got a lot of guys in their team. But you know, after Erickson, for sure, Ali's Dele Ali is going to be the next next one you got to worry about. Um, this, you got enough on your hands with Harry Kane and, and Erickson, and then you throw in Ali in the mix and Lamella and the rest of the guys there. Um, they got the, the Korean guy as well, who's very, very good. So, um, there are no shortage of, of, of playmakers on that team. Oh, definitely not. And then, uh, you got Kieran, Kieran Trippier bombing away on the right hand side. He, ah, he sure did. What a good starting. He's had, right? Yeah, he has. And, uh, that is going to be a very interesting uh, battle between him and uh, Asamoah, who certainly has a lot of experience, uh, you know, you know, defending flanks and you know things of that nature from his time playing at Juventus, and it's definitely going to come in handy here with his time at Inter. And in this game, uh, Inter will win this. Inter, if Inter win this game, it's because what? Icardi and Perisic are at their best. Um, when those two those two players are, are playing and flying high, uh, they're going to win games no matter who they're playing. Uh, but it's when when they're not quite there, as we've seen in this last four games. Perisic has been he was on and won that one game that they won. Uh, other than that, they were nowhere to be found. Yes, Icardi was on the bench ninety percent of those games, uh, but still, 
Um, if those two are on, they're going to win. I I agree with that. And I also think that the central defenders, you know, if it's Skriniar and De Vrij or if Miranda works his way in there somehow, uh, find a way to contain Harry Kane. Um, and if uh, they do enough in the midfield to maybe kind of disrupt the things that Christian Eriksen does, uh, I think this is going to be a game with a lot with with a number of goals. I think that this is going to be a three two type of game. I have a hard time predicting which way whose favorite is going to tilt since I picked Inter to fail to qualify from this group. I'm going to say Tottenham are going to win this. I think here, here's where I'm at with this. You know, Spurs I think have a lot of players that are on World Cup hangover still, and I think that that's contributing to the slow start to their season. They have players from England's national team, Belgium's national team. You know, Ericsson you know, got into the second round with Denmark and, you know, a lot of these guys coming back and, and, and that can have an impact. Um, you know, if you're going to beat Tottenham, you got to beat them now. Um, this is going to be Inter's best chance, but I, they haven't shown me enough in the Serie A season in their Serie A games that they're going to be able to get this done. And I think Tottenham are going to the San Siro and I think they're going to get out of here with a win. I hate to say this as someone that bangs a drum for Italian football, but I just, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. What do you think? No, I mean, as much as I would love to, you know, bang like you said, bang the drum for Syria and and say that Inter are gonna win, I don't think Tottenham are gonna be afraid of them. Um, and yeah, they went toe to toe with Liverpool this past weekend and they did fairly well. I mean, yes, they lost, but I mean, Tottenham are no slouches by any stretch. I mean, obviously Harry Kane is world class, uh, and Eriksen is world class, and you know Ali is is on the precipice of being world class. Um, they got several several players Tottenham do, and you're right. I mean. For Inter to win, they're going to have to play their best game, hoping that Tottenham are off their game just enough. They have to crowd that midfield uh, to try to keep the ball away from Tottenham, like Eriksen and those guys. Um, and Skriniar, Skriniar, and whoever's you know pairing with him is going to have to shut down uh, Mr. Harry Kane there, and that's that's a lot to ask for. Uh, so I'm gonna if it's if it's a goal fest, it's going to be Tottenham. Um, yep. Inter's best chance is to keep it low scoring, my, in my opinion. Okay, I, I, I can I can see that too. So I think yeah, Perisic and Icardi have to be otherworldly uh, on Tuesday, and I think that they have to grind out a result here. I mean, almost even shithouse it as uh, many of the banter guys on Twitter like to say, uh, you know, to get the three points. Uh, Spalletti doesn't necessarily care to go that route though, uh, so we'll um, we'll see how this plays out. But I, I think Tottenham win this. I think it's a goal fest. I think they win three two. Um, definitely going to be a game the the neutrals will want to be glued to. Uh, the other Italian side playing on Tuesday, Napoli. They're traveling to Belgrade to take on Crevena uh, Zvezda, or better known as Red Star Belgrade. Did I get that? You're the polyglot. Did I get that pronunciation right? Cervena Zvezda. Yeah, you're pretty close. Cervena. Cervena. Okay, Cervena Zvezda. Okay. So the Partenope had there. They came off the win over Fiorentina. Um Ancelotti seems to have this right. I mean, if Napoli stand a chance to qualify out of this group with the likes of Liverpool and PSG, six points are a must. They've got to go there to win. Oh, yeah, hands down. And it is not an easy place to play. Uh, Belgrade is is a difficult place. Just look over the years. Look at YouTube games, any big Champions League or any game, really, for that matter. It's it's just a, a hostile environment. Um, but the way Napoli has been playing lately and what they're capable of they should go out they should want to get six points from you know the two games against the red star uh without a doubt 
Yeah. Um, I like uh, Ancelotti's having his effect in helping this team try to find a way to win games. They obviously ran into a buzzsaw at Sampdoria a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, and I think that having Ancelotti's expertise in a game like this, a guy who has been through this so many times, has won three Champions League as a manager, has won a couple others as a player, um, I think is going to factor uh, very immensely for Napoli's prospects, uh, you know, not only in this game, but in this group. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm curious to see if he tinkers with the lineup or how he tinkers with the lineup going to the game. We know how in, in, in Serie A, he just lets it be, lets Napoli, you know, what they're used to do and, and, and let them play. Um, but, you know, he's brought out the Christmas tree formation before and, and for, with Milan and with these other big clubs. He's changed formations into the, in these cup games to get results. That's what he wants to do. And I can see him tinkering in, in a way that, you know, maybe he'll put, um, you know, one striker up top with, you know, three guys behind him and, and tinker that way. I don't know. Maybe have two guys in the pivot. Who knows? Um, we never know with Ancelotti, but what, usually whatever he does, he's doing it to try to win the game. And um, I have faith that Ancelotti is going to, is going to serve them right. Napoli win because? Ancelotti, I think. I think okay. his, his experience in these games, um, being able to control the midfield against against a very talented uh, Red Star Belgrade. Obviously, you know, the, the, mid, the mid three are going to be the important ones. Alan, um, uh, Zelensky, you know, Hamshik if he's out there. Um, Insigne, what, what's he going to do? He, he looked really good against Fiorentina. He's got to be at the top of his game, I think. If, if he... And Callejon, especially, besides the midfield, if those two guys are on, I mean, it's going to be goal fest for them. Indeed. Um, I'm going to go with Napoli winning this uh, two goals to one. Um, I think that they're, you know, it's going to be, there's going to be about a 15 minutes of having to deal with the atmosphere, having to deal with the team that's fired up to have them in their, in their park. And I think they'll weather that. I think they'll get a couple. I think Red Star will get one just for the confidence some at some point in the game. Um, but uh, overall, I think Napoli will get this taken care of and win the match 2-1. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. No, I like that, like that scoreline a lot, actually. I think you know, Napoli are probably – I feel like they can get two goals quickly. Uh, and then I think Red Star will score a goal to make it interesting and then just hold on to your seats and uh, they'll hold them off, I think, to make it 2-1. I agree. Yep, yep, definitely. So uh, we think Inter will lose. We think uh, Napoli will win. So let's go to the Wednesday games. Uh, we'll start at the uh, – both Italian teams on Wednesday are traveling to Spain. Uh, Roma head to the Estadio Santiago Bernabeu to take on the defending European champion Real Madrid. Um, this is not the form that – you want to have going into a game against Real Madrid, even if Real Madrid don't have Cristiano Ronaldo anymore. <laughs> Real Madrid might be more dangerous now with Cristiano Ronaldo. The players have kind of like stepped up, realizing, you know what, he's there, he's not here anymore. We can, we can really, you know, you know, let our flags fly and really show what we have. We don't have to focus on him anymore. We can be our own person. And uh, man, they're playing some beautiful football right now. And uh, Luka Modric is is at the strings of all of that. So. Um, wrong time for Roma to be playing them. He's somewhat made it his team, hasn't he? He, Luka has, Modric. he has. And I think winning this uh, Player of the Year award is going to even do do wonders for him. Uh, he was already like the best, one of the best midfielders in the world, and now with him, and you got Cruz there and Casemiro. I mean, what a midfield! It's that's a world class midfield. Yep, yep, indeed. And uh, 
you know, Real Madrid right now sitting second in La Liga on 10 points behind Barcelona with an with a plus eight goal difference. They had a draw with Athletic Bilbao at the weekend. Um, Roma squandering a 2-0 lead over Chievo uh, and settling for a 2-2 draw. Um, Roma, they they somehow find a way to win because what? Real Madrid play their B team. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna have their defense has to step up. That's that's a must. Um, but they need to finish their their chances. Uh, if they, you know, yes, they're gonna get their chances, but you need to be clinical. You can't just squander away opportunities left and right like they did uh, so far in the Serie A season. They need to be clinical. Um, and Manolas and Fazio have better have twenty out of ten games in, in, in these in this game against Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's gonna t- it's gonna take something special, I think. The way things are going for them, um, they've uh, they just have they've been so flaky so far this season. I mean, the uh, you know the the win against Torino, you could almost argue that wasn't very impressive either. Um, yeah. You know, they had to squeak that out. It's uh, it's a Roma team that's really you know living dangerously right now, and a Real Madrid team that's flying. I just Man, I don't know. I don't know how Roma get this done. And I still think Eusebio Di Francesco is trying to figure out this team. He was in the press conference um, uh, after the Chievo game, you know, taking a little bit of a dig at the players' mentality. Uh, you know, basically paraphrasing what he said. I saw Solano's tweet saying he said uh, Di Francesco looks downtrodden in the press conference. Um, you know. This is not the kind of mood to have heading to the Bernabeu and playing Real Madrid. And I. I, I hate this as someone that bangs the drum for Serie again, but I I think they're in for a pasting. I think that uh, I think Real Madrid's going to win this this one three one, and I'm being I'm being nice. <laughs> three might be the minimum that Real Madrid score here, Richard. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think it's going to be a uh, a show for the home team, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Madrid three nothing. I just I don't. I want. I wish. I really hope that Roma puts up a fight and wins this. Do something surprising like against Barcelona. But I don't know. They're they're in a poor form right now, and Madrid are in a very 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 good form. So it's not going to look pretty. And finally, um, Juventus will travel to the Mestalla to take on Valencia uh, in Group H. Juventus, uh, thanks to the addition of Cristiano Ronaldo, are now one of the favorites to win the Champions League this season. We'll talk a little bit about Ronaldo here in a little in, in a little bit. Um, Valencia off to a poor start in La Liga. Four, played four, three points. Uh, just came off a goalless draw with Real Betis. You're a Real Betis fan here. That's the uh, that's your dog in the La Liga hunt. Um, any? Did you have a chance to look at them at all and see how Valencia looked? They've been off, and I don't know what it is. Um... I've been trying to put my finger on it, and I I really can't. It just they're not playing the same as they were last year, quite frankly. And it's 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 I hate to say the obvious, but um, maybe it's just a little bit of hangover from last year or preseason. I don't know. Uh, they'll turn it around, but it's 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 kind of uh, odd just to see them the way falter in his first four games like they have. Uh, it's not you ex- you would expect them to be you know pushing the top two dogs and and or top three dogs I, I should say, and and they're not. So um, hey. Sucks for them. They're playing Juventus, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you take a look at Valencia's team, there's some players in here. Um, you know, Denis Cheryshev, um, who had a who had a good World Cup with Russia. 
Um, Ferran Torres is another winger. You take a look at Pacini, a right back. Gaia has been there a long time. But then the strikers, you have Rodrigo um, and Kevin Gamero. And Rodrigo in particular had a really nice little run with Spain here at the international break. Um, you know, scoring and getting assists in each game, a part of that uh, thumping that Spain put on Croatia in particular. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the the talent is there, and for some reason it hasn't been put together. Now, Jeffrey Condoglia did get hurt over the weekend, and he would be one of those, uh, you know, enforcers in the midfield to kind of help break things up. That might work to um, Juve's advantage. We may see Gon- Gonzalo Guidez, uh get a run in. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you got to think that he might end up featuring in this game. Just taking a look at the rest of the other players. Um, Bacuayi. Bacuayi can come off the bench. Uh, Santi Mina is a decent player. Um, you know, so there's some uh, there's some players and an old friend uh, of Juventus's uh, sitting there on the uh, bench, uh, the backup goalkeeper Neto. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, so uh, he is behind uh, Domenech, um, who starts for uh, for the Valencia. For Juventus, I, I just. They win because, and I think I can answer this, but I'll only hear your answer. They win because Allegri's just going to go out there and be all resourceful and just get three points any way he can get it. Yeah, no, it's it's true, and and you know it's it's fortunate for them too that uh, a certain someone got off the off the off the snide and got some goals in this weekend. Um, having him in goals, Dybala didn't score this weekend, which yeah, I don't know yeah. What, it was someone else, it was like. another person. We'll get to him. Okay, <laughs> uh, but the fact that this person is in scoring form is not good for the rest of Europe, basically. Uh, so the stop, you know, they can try to stop him all they want, but they are, there's Dybala and there's the rest of the team. Uh, Juventus are playing really, really well as of this weekend. Uh, this whole I think they, I think they tactic their way through this. Oh, it's not going to be a blowout by any chance. No, it'll be it's one goal win. It's going to be a one nil or maybe even a two nil. Yeah. So given that that's what we think is going to happen and what we're pretty sure is going to happen, I mean, do you anticipate blowback from Juventus Twitter and the Juventus supporters that this is this is the one we're going after? Why aren't we making a statement in the first game? Yeah, it's going to be like uh, I, I think it's going to be like a two one game for Juventus and Juventus Twitter are going to blow up being like we we suck we're going to lose what is this um, relax this is what Allegri does you know it's tactical wins he just does enough to get the win he doesn't show all his cards he does enough to win the games right and especially the big dogs right now that aren't that aren't scoring uh, people are all worried about it hey you're still winning games if you're losing yep. if you're Inter. I could see you crying and, and, and scared, but you're winning every freaking game. Relax. Yep. Like Aaron yep. Rodgers says. <laughs> yep. R-E-L-A-X. Yep. So, um, but I agree with all of that. I mean, Juventus are winning with different players scoring. They're winning with defending. They're winning with, you know, they're winning with uh, just about every facet of the game at this point. Um, you know, they've they beat, and, and they, you know, they beat, Lazio, who's starting to come around a little bit, we'll talk about that. They they beat a Sassuolo team that got off to a hot start. You know they had tougher goes of it with Chievo and Parma uh, on the road that was in than that was initially anticipated. So, you know, but I think it's resourceful Juve. I don't think they're and it's not a legacy style to go out and try to beat teams four or five nil. They don't play. Uh, they don't play like Guardiola. They don't play. You know, they don't play that Barcelona football. They they. They manage their way through 90 minutes. They have all of that experience, and they get out of there with three points. And I think that that's what's going to happen here. Um, I'm going to go – you said 2-1. I'm going to say 2-0. Uh, 
um, for Juventus, and they go they go away and they get this done. So um, that's the Champions League games. Uh, let's get into the Europa League games. Two teams in the Europa League. We'll start uh, the early game uh, for as far as Serie A is concerned. Lazio at the Olimpico will play host to Apollon from Cyprus. Um, Lazio's in a, in a group that features, I mean, Apollona is, is probably the bottom feeder in this group when you take a look at it because there's Marseille and there's Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, it should be cut and dry that Lazio and Marseille advance, but, um, you know, Simone Inzaghi wants to turn his attention to this competition. It's going to be vital that they get off to a good start here. And I think that Lazio, for their fans at least, with the way the uh, league season has gone, they need to make a statement here on Thursday. Yeah, it hasn't looked pretty in the league thus far. Uh, far from pretty. Uh, and they need to kind of make some kind of statement game to kind of cool waters, uh, keep that hot seat uh, cool for Inzaghi. Not that he's on one right now, but you never know with uh, with in Rome. Um, yeah, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get some goals in this game. I, I think a, a close victory will not suit the home or suit Lazio fans very well. The supporters they're gonna be a uh, little too nervous when they, and they don't want to do that. No, I. I definitely agree with that, and um, this feels to me like the kind of game where they want to just go. They, they, they can just go out and take it out on these guys. On, on these guys, Apollon. I don't want to be disrespectful. I'm sure this is a good side. Uh, they're going to have a set of tactics that I think they're going to make it difficult for Simone and Zaghi's men. But you know, this is a this is a get right opportunity for Lazio before they have to go back and turn their attentions to the league. And I think they need to ta- they need to fully take advantage of it. Um. For this to be to, to make sure that the three the three points are secure for Lazio, what couple of things do you need to happen? Um, Milinkovic Savic needs to show up, as does Immobile, um, f- and for that matter, uh, Luis Alberto. Those three guys have done very little thus far this far in the season, um, and especially Milinkovic Savic. He's he's the player that people wanted to spend 120 million uh, euros on, and and this and that, and he thinks he's better than he, you know he thinks he's one of the best players in the world. Go out and prove it now. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and Immobile, he, we know he's tried and true, but he's been on the, he hasn't scored anyone, any goals yet, or he had one goal so far. Uh, that's not, he, we need an Immobile tracker. Uh, might as well start it in the uh, Europa League because uh, he's important for that team. But do you think those guys play? Because last year in the Europa League, uh, Inzaghi rotated and, and, and Caicedo started up front. And, uh, you know, some different guys were in there, um, you know, and I can't remember exactly who replaced Milinkovic Savic, but yeah. this could be a spot for Valon Barisha now to uh, uh, to get his legs under him a little bit playing for Lazio as well. I fully expect Barisha to play, um, but I think he needs to build confidence in this team too because they're struggling in Serie A and they need to find any way to get some kind of confidence. Uh, if you bring the backups in, it's not it's just going to get you know serve the backups well, but it's not the the starters are still going to be in that you know limbo state. So I think they need to bring the the starters in this and and try to instill confidence in them. Going back into Syria, and then then you can start rotating, you know, for the next games after that. Yeah, that's, that's just that, what that, I would do. Yeah, we'll see what they, uh, we'll see what uh, Simone Inzaghi has in mind. Um, I I think Lazio get right here, um, and I think we see the Lazio of last year. Uh, I'm going to say four um, one. I, I think that they're just going to walk this game. What do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they can keep a clean sheet. Um, I'll go three one. Okay. Okay, uh, so that's Lazio Villarreal, and finally, 
Milan will travel to Luxembourg, of all places. Yes, you oh, heard yeah. that right, Luxembourg, at the Stade Josie Bartel in Luxembourg. Um, it almost sounds like a luxury hotel or something like that. It doesn't sound like a football ground. But, alas, they're going to travel and they're going to take on Dudelange. Uh, Dudelange certainly going to be the team looking up at everybody this season in, in this uh, Europa League group that also features Olympiacos and Real Betis. Um, I mean, it goes without saying three points, uh, just absolutely important here. It's vital. And, and I want to do a little side story real quick is that, you know, I did apply for a, a job at Amazon in Luxembourg. So had I got that job, I would have been able to be at this game, but I'm not anyway. Uh. Um, but still, uh, yeah, no, three points is vital in this game. Uh, absolutely. Cause the group that they have with Betis and, 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 uh, the other, and the other team, uh, they they need to get a win here and instill some confidence in their team as well. I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll see some rotation in this in this game. Um, maybe see some youngsters in here, but uh, no matter what, you, they're gonna have to get a win. That 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 is that is the minimum that, that they can get. Uh, Chal Hanalu will probably be rested on Thursday. Uh, yeah, he broke his he broke his finger today against Calgary. Poor guy. Um, I mean. I don't think that that would keep him out of playing on Thursday, but I think that uh, this is an opportunity for Samuel Castillejo to get 90 minutes. I fully expect that that's going to happen. Uh, I think Diego Lachalt should get 90 minutes here. I think it's a chance for Gattuso to rotate a couple of guys without particularly weakening the team. Uh, so let's hope that he does that. I would love to see a Caldado-Romagnoli partnership uh, and get that up and running as well. Uh, this is the opportunity for Gattuso to do these things and, uh, and uh, so hopefully that hopefully he does adhere to that. Um, Milan win because why? Because uh, they dominate possession and and, and score on their finishing. Um, hopefully all those players that you said you mentioned you know do come in and maybe you see Pepe Reina in goal um, and Cutrone and, and to lead the way. Um, but dominating the midfield and finishing their chances was going to get them the win. Yeah, I mean, with Atalanta, with a home match against Atalanta coming up next weekend, I could see some rotation definitely, and I, yeah. I like the shouts about Reina and uh, Cutrone maybe getting some starts here on Thursday. Even with Milan making these rotations, they're going to win this match, and I'll say it's going to be, I'll say it's going to be not as much of a blowout as everybody expects. I think they'll win two nil. Um, I think they'll just they'll get the three points, they'll get out of there. I think group stage in the Europa League, you're not you're not going for style points. You're just trying to get out and get to the next phase. Um, you know, you don't, I mean, you, you don't gain anything by just absolutely battering another team that you should batter anyway. So be, res I mean, I, I see, I see 90s minutes of resourcefulness. I see a two nil win. I, and, and then also part of that is because I still see issues with the service to the center forward, you know, you know, Iguain. Yeah, he scored against Cagliari, but, you know, that was an opportunistic goal that he scored. But in most cases, the, the crossing and some of the balls that were getting played into him were poor and almost impossible to get, you know, in getting to him. So um, it might be an opportunity for Milan to sort that stuff out on Thursday in a game like this. But I think it's also going to be smart with Atalanta on the horizon uh, for Caduso to do a little bit of rotating. So I'm going to go say two. I'm going to say two nil. They're gonna, and they're going to be perfectly happy with that. What do you think? I think it's going to be uh, closer than we'd like. I'm going to say 2-1, a late goal by Luxembourg. Uh, Dudelange, and yeah, 2-1. Okay. 
Okay, so we're pretty close in our predictions, but basically in agreement on just about all of them. So yeah. um, those are our outlook on match day one in the Champions League and Europa League for the Serie A teams. Uh, let's move on now to recapping match week four. Okay, so we're going to batch all of the games together here. Um, and then uh, following this, uh, Richard uh, will have an interview with Frederick, Frederick Baca. Um, and that's not in no relation to Carlos and the name spelled actually a lot differently. So before some of you got excited. Uh, it's B-A-K-K-E. Uh, Frederick is uh, from Sempre Bologna uh, and also a writer at Calcio Norge. Um, you're the polyglot. Did I get that right? N-O-R-G-E, Norga? Very well, very well. Do a good job. Oh, good, good. I, see, I'm, I'm working on some of this stuff. I mean, <laughs> all of these pronunciations and you got to, you got to, you know, we'll do the, my brother and I will do these, the, the daily fantasy, uh, soccer and we'll do the Champions League games and the Europa League games where it's not like Premier League where the names are a little simpler and you get some of these Eastern European names and I'll just, I'll text them. I'll share my lineup with them and I'll text it to them. And my brother, what's with these goddamn names? That's what he says. I don't like to use the Lord's name in vain on this podcast, but that's. That's the reaction that I get, and it's like they're 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 players that I think are going to do well. Just 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 pick them and go make some money. So <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, no. Um, Richard will uh, will provide an interview here at the end of our podcast uh, with Frederick. Uh, great discussion as we uh, jump in on Bologna. We're not see we're setting a sit down. Setting a Richard. We're not about That's just right. the top six, right? That's right. Screw the top yeah. six. We get the rest of the league. Right, right. We got to cover. We got to cover the rest of the league. So we, we, whenever there's an opportunity to, you know, uh, get in depth about another club, we want to make sure that we take advantage of that. So, uh, you know, do stick around and listen to that. But uh, Richard, let's uh, let's get through these uh, recaps. All right. The first game on Saturday, uh, we had we were going to head to the San Siro Internazionale hosting Parma. Um, you know, looking on paper on this one, it's not one I would have fancied, especially for Parma's sake. Uh, you go you go into the big cathedral of of, of, of football stadiums in, in San Siro, and uh, you know, if you, face a, if you look at the lineup by Inter, listen on paper, um, it's enough to make you sh- you know shaking your pants, shake your pants. But Parma had other other choices. You know, they they put a good fight up against Juventus. Um, they did have a win earlier already this year, um, and this one, Frank. Uh, this would this day would belong to Federico Di Marco. Not only did he make a goal line save uh, early in the second half, uh, but then uh, Mr. Di Marco uh, he he would do this. Di Marco worth a try. Oh, what a try! That is phenomenal. The man alone from Inter scores against Inter. Federico De Marco Frank uh, with the with the goal of that's surely going to be in our top five, isn't it? Well, it's our goal of the week. I mean, there's, we're not going to we're not, not going to dance around with this one, Richard. That was uh, something special. Um, you know, this game was weird because Inter dominated it and created a lot, carved out a lot of chances. And the special shout out in particular. I mean, we can talk about De Marco being a man of the match. He's a man of the match for that reason. But that that goal there was that goal I'd say was that the one where. Handanovic went to the papers and said that he handled it, so he shouldn't and should have gotten a red card and shouldn't have even been on the pitch for the goal that he scored. I don't know um, if it's intentional, though. Yeah, and that's just it. And then, and um, and and it was agreed upon that that what that it wasn't intentional. So, 
Um, and I didn't think it was intentional either. I didn't see anything wrong with it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, if we're talking about Federico Di Marco's goal, we also need to talk about Luigi Seppe in this game with seven big saves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and keeping Parma in it and giving them a chance so that DiMarco's goal can be the difference. And they walk out of there with three points. And what a great moment for Parma, um, you know, after where they've been and where they are now to uh, to be able to get their first win of the Serie A season, uh, to be able to do it against a team like Inter. Um, you know, they this was one of those where they, they gutted it out and maybe on a different day, Inter lighted up for, lighted up for about three or four goals. Let me ask you something here. Mauro Icardi came on as a substitute uh, to start the second half. Presumably, uh, Spalletti didn't want to overwork him with Tottenham on the horizon. If he plays all 90 minutes, is this result different? Because I don't think it is. I don't think he, you know the lack of Icardi was a problem because when he was in there, they were still having problems getting the ball to him. Yeah, I'm not I'm not fully convinced if he had been there in 90 minutes, it, this result would have been different. Um it may have pulled out a draw somehow, but uh, the way that the way that Inter were playing in this game, it just they were missing something, and and obviously it was their shooting boots and getting into their center forwards. Uh, give all credit to Parma. Parma hung in there. They had their one opportunity and they took it. Um, but yeah, it's just Inter. It's, this is how it's been for the first four games of the season. Minus, well, three games. The one game they did they did win three nothing or three one, but. Uh, they they they're just not clicking on all cylinders, and unfortunately, the cylinder that they that they need to to be to be functioning is not, and that's a that's a the forward position, the, the final third of the pitch, and yep. um, yeah, it's a, they're gonna figure they need to figure out quick because they got Tottenham on the horizon. Um, a, a couple of quick notes here on uh, well, a quick note here on Inter. Uh, it did get reported during the week that uh, Inter, let's just say UEFA FFP is having a look at their books. Um, and what's kind of being reported at this point is that Inter do need to raise 40 million euros in player sales by June 30th to meet the financial fair play obligations. So Inter, mm. the latest team, to uh, uh, be under the scrutiny of FFP. And we knew that was uh, coming, right? Because all the players they've bought, you're like, yeah, you don't just make all these moves. And yeah, it, all of a sudden, it, it just it, it's going to be the theme for every team that all of a sudden just adds a number of players. Yeah. You know, FFP is going to be knocking on the door and going to want to have a look at things. It's just the way it is. Uh, I guess we better better embrace it and get used to it, and you know, hope the teams have their houses in order when uh, when they come knocking. So, um, but just uh, that was an interesting uh, interesting point to come across. Let's move on. Yeah, the next game is uh, probably the game of the weekend for me as far as what I was looking to see. Um, you had two teams on six points, Napoli hosting uh, Fiorentina, and this game um, I think lived up to the hype as far as you know. Uh, two teams going back and forth. Uh, Napoli pretty much dominated this one. Uh, Mr. Uh, Italia, Lorenzo Insigne, while he doesn't do it on the national team, he certainly gets his goals in uh, Serie A and, and for Napoli. Uh, they win one nothing. Frank. Uh, Napoli just they dominated possession in that game, chance after chance. It, they were bound to score in the game, weren't they? They were. Um, I mean, Fiorentina had a, an idea... Of, of how to go about this. Um, they seeded possession. Uh, Napoli had 60% of the possession in this game. Napoli had a lot more chances in this game, um, you know, w- with the hopes that they could sneak that one or two with, with some of the uh, attacking players that they have at their disposal and maybe hitting them on the break. It just never came for them. Um, 
you know, the, the midfield in particular for Fiorentina had their problems and were all substituted. Uh, as a result, Benati, Veretu, and Gerson all were, uh, uh, were, were sent to the showers early uh, by Pioli. But um, I just wish Italy could figure out how to use Insigne the way Napoli used him. First Sari and now Ancelotti. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he's more ruthless going forward. Some of his runs off of the center forward. I mean, in the two games when I, you know, watching him with Italy in the Poland game, actually the one game, the Poland game, you know, he never took those risks, you know, trying to get out in front of uh, the center forward with, you know, Balotelli, um, mainly Balotelli because Insigne also got subbed off. He doesn't do the things tactically off the ball with Italy that he does with, that he does with Napoli. And I wish that that would happen, but uh, yeah, he comes through, gets the goal. Milik set him up, set him up nicely. Um, you know, and Napoli now three wins out of four to start the season under Ancelotti. So, uh, all continues to be well for the Partinal pay. Yeah. Um, like, first of all, good for Milik to get an assist on the goal. I know strikers, you always want to get the goals and stuff, but that was a beautiful assist to, to Lorenzo Insigne. And, and, you know, that's obviously a, a very important to get, um, get involved in the play and get involved in the scoring for, for Insigne and if ever Insigne for, uh, for Milik, uh, you know, eventually that'll lead for him to get more goals as well. But um, a point on uh, what you said about Insigne, you said he's ruthless with Napoli. And I think that's the word exactly, you know, um, is what what's the difference between him in Italy and him in, with Napoli. With Napoli, he he's, for lack of a better word, the big dog other than Hamsik. Um, he knows it and he, he doesn't, he takes all the chances, like you said, goes after it every time, you know, it's clinical. With the national team, it's like he wants to be on the back page. Doesn't want to, you know, doesn't show up anybody. Uh, he wants to be one of the guys, and because of that, he's lacking his creativity, lacking the goal scoring ability. And I think that's the, the ruthless was the perfect word. I think to sum him up. Yeah, uh, agreed. Um, uh, clean sheet for uh, Napoli. They haven't had that yet this season, uh, so uh, looks like they straightened some things out. Uh, defensively, having a lot of the possession is going to do that for you. But you know, when you play a Team like Fiorentina, that's a, you know, that's that that that's certainly saying something with what they are capable of offering going forward. Um, and I mean, uh, Ospina was not called on to do much in this game, uh, so that also helped. But uh, you know, Napoli took advantage of the, uh, let's say the uh, the superiority in possession. Um, dealt with the threats when Fiorentina had them, and and as a result, Fiorentina really didn't offer much. So, uh, you know, good for, uh, for, for Napoli. So, uh, I see Saturday rounded up with a spanking. It did. And before we get to that game for Fiorentina, is that more, this is a setback for them or you think this is this blip on the radar and it's keep going? I, I think I don't, you know, when you, when you want to map out Fiorentina's, uh, numbers and how they're going to arrive at their points, they, they, they you know, the casual fan or the 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 Serie A neutral would not expect Fiorentina to go to the San Paolo and win there. You know, I think it would have been an eye opener if they found a way to win this game. Right, right. That's good enough for me. All right, let's go to the uh, the butt whooping of the weekend at the Stadio Benito Stiripe. Uh, Frosinone hosting Sampdoria. Uh, this would not be a pretty one. This would go five nothing to the road team. Um, goal scoring started in the 10th minute through Fabio Cagliarella scoring again for the second week in a row. 
Um, and then it was followed up in the 46th minute by uh, another contender for a goal of the weekend. Linity picks out Quagliarella, chips it across, and there's the volley from Caprari! A stunner from Gianluca Caprari! What a way to make your first start of the season! Gianluca Caprari with a beautiful side volley would make it 2 nothing. That would be followed up by Gregoire Defrel scoring a goal in the 54th minute and 86th minute. And David Kovnatsky with the 83rd minute penalty kick. Uh, Frank, for lack of a better word, this is a butt whooping uh, for Frozenone. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Wow. And how bad is Frozenone? I mean, we had a lot of yeah. a lot of hope for them with... Uh, with with the players that they picked up, with the with the Serie A experience, but we might have said this about Hellas Verona as well last year too, uh, and we're learning the hard way again. Um, but um, you know, impressive display by Sampdoria, and just yeah, I, I didn't get to watch this game in full, but I watched chunks of it, and just you know how they move the ball, the confidence that they're playing with right now. Um, I mean, I think that that win over Napoli springboarded something here, and Sampdoria is in incredible form right now. Clearly not a team that I want to see in these coming weeks. And guess who gets yeah. them next? Inter have to go. Inter have to go to the Marassi um, next weekend. Uh, and 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 they better figure out who they are <laughs> real quick because this Sampdoria team looked like they want to thump everybody right now. And that was an impressive display in this, in particular in the second half. I mean, Ferrozanoni, you know, we're certainly we're certainly in it. And you know, at halftime it was only one nil. Um, but then, uh, I think the, the Caprari, uh, blast and, uh, certainly one of the best goals of the weekend. It'll certainly be in our top five. Um, I think that that might've rattled them a little bit more. Um, and then, uh, you know, the rest, uh, the rest just unraveled on the uh, newcomers. So, uh, boy, another emphatic win for, uh, the Blue Karate under, uh, Giampaolo and, uh, looks like the ship's been righted after that ugly start against, uh, Sampdoria. Or, I mean, yeah. not against them, but they get to Udinese, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just just to get a win on the road is impressive for Sampdoria, as Jekyll and Hyde as they are. Uh, but to win 5 nothing, yeah, it was against Frosinone, and they lost 4 nothing to uh, Atalanta. But, you know, 5 nothing for Sampdoria on the road is big because they never do that. Frosinone yet to score a goal this season. Uh, they're not the only yeah. team in Syria to do that. <laughs> right, there's two teams. We'll talk about the other. Yeah, we're going to have a conversation with somebody about the other one, I think. We'll yeah. So, so we'll go to the next game. We're going to go to Stadio Olimpico for this one. Uh, the Sunday start, the, the start of the slate was Roma hosting Kievo. Um, Kievo, they've been in um, horrible form this season to begin with. Roma have been up and down, uh, no consistency really. Oh, the old consistent thing they can do is uh, give up goals. This game would end 2-2, uh, scoring start in the 10th minute uh, with this beautiful goal by Stefan Al-Sharawi. Florenzi with more time, maybe to deliver a deeper cross, which he does, drops in, and turned home by Stefan El Sharawi. That goal would be followed up in the 30th minute by Brian Cristante, uh, formerly of Atalanta. That was how it would go in the halftime. Second half, Walter Biersa, he would join the goals of the weekend with this. Quick ball. Biersa, the left foot, Biersa, wonderful strike, and Kievo back in the game. And to make matters more worse for Roma, Mariusz Stepinski in the 83rd minute uh, to tie the game. Frank, uh, this was nearly a a loss of all three points if it wasn't for uh, for Olsen, huh? 
Yeah, Olsen had to come up with a couple of big saves here toward the end. Um, Kievo took this game over. And, you know, I did my fearless five, and I said Kievo was going to score twice at Roma, and they did. Um, I just I thought Roma would win 4-2. I thought that they'd <laughs> overwhelm them. But um, uh, Sorrentino was back uh, between the sticks. Good to see him back. Uh, performed admirably. Made some saves to uh, help Kievo get this point. Now they're at minus one instead of minus two. <laughs> Uh, on the points on the season. If uh, anybody has not, uh, for those of you that don't know, the ruling did come down on on some of Kievo's transfer indiscretions, and um, uh, the, the the club president is banned for a period of time um, from being around the uh, the grounds or being around the uh, training facility. So basically, you know, you know how much money these guys have. He gets to go take a vacation for three four months. Yep. Um, and uh, a three-point deduction this season for Kievo. So they went, at, you know, into the uh, international break on just one point. So then you take away the three points; they're at minus two. So now they're at minus one uh, after after this draw. So <laughs> you know, so uh, when you're when you're below zero, you know, that's that's good in golf. It's not good in <laughs> it's not good at the table in football. So. Uh, it, it, it'll make it an even bigger challenge now for the donkeys. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they all, they all played Roma for stretches in the second half and that was just shocking to see, uh, you know, a Roma team that has a lot to answer to after the draw against Atalanta, after losing at the last second to Milan, this looks yeah. like a, just, this is a Roma team. And we talked about it in the preview when they play Real Madrid, you know, in the champions league preview, they look so out of sorts right now. Where do they go from here? It's it's you know they yeah they came back against Atalanta after being down three one, but you give up three goals against Atalanta and then you know you lose to Milan and now and now you you almost lose to Kievo if it wasn't for your goalie. Um, they need to find it out quick because uh, they're gonna play a team on 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 this weekend or Wednesday I should say, and <laughs> they're gonna give them a thumping if they're if they're not paying attention if they're not ready for it. So right uh, Roma uh, Roma. I'm sure there's people gonna start calling for Conte here. A lot of teams are gonna be calling for um, for um, Conte to to join their team, and Roma is definitely gonna yep. be one of them if the yep. results continue this way. Yep, indeed, indeed. Uh, big problems right now for Roma, and it's not gonna get any easier with that trip to the Bernabeu in midweek, as we discussed. Yeah, no, it's not definitely not. Um, speaking of teams that have trouble, we got two teams here. Um, we're gonna go to Genoa for this one at the Comunale Luigi Ferrare. Uh, Genoa would host Bologna, two teams who are uh, certainly struggling more. Once so is Bologna, who have yet to score a goal this season. Uh, well, you know things would get uh, interesting for for Bologna in this one. Uh, it would take a while, but uh, Christoph Piatic would add his name to the goal scorers. Piatic opens up the space. Piatic. He's done it again. What a brilliant start to his time here in Italy. That would be the only goal in the game that was necessary. Uh, Genoa went 1-0. Eric Pulgar, as of no, for a word of note, uh, got a red card at late in the game. Uh, but to Bologna, zero goals through, what, four or five games now? Um, they need to find out quick. I mean, yeah, Kievo's hurting, but Bologna, there's no no reason that they should be this awful up front. Just stunning to me and uh, eager to see what um, uh, what um, Frederick has to say about this. Um, What's your take on people? 
uh, he's in trouble. Yeah, I he's mean, gotta be. he's got to be. You know, he's well. Here's why he's in trouble. Ricardo Orsolini is sitting on the bench. Federico Santander is sitting on the bench. Mattia Destro is starting. Um, you know, Diego Falcinelli didn't even get a run out. You know, so I what you're playing once a week. Why are you rotating guys? You get your you get your best eleven players out there and you play them. Okay, and if you are trying to put your faith in Mattia Destro, that didn't work so well for you at Milan, people. Okay, it hardly it's, work anywhere. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to work here. So, um, it's uh, it's a little aggravating because I think this is a team we had a lot more expectation for. Um, you know, Skorupski ended up making some saves here. He had four saves. You know, and Bologna had a little bit more of the possession in this game, but you know. They should be producing a whole lot more uh, than they are. Some of the attackers that they have. I think what's now hindering them is that, you know, the lack of a presence in some. Yeah, you went and got all these strikers, but who's the playmaker now with uh, Simone Verdi out of the picture? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's a problem. You've got Adam Naj. Uh, is it Naj or is it Na- Naji? Naji, I guess. The Hungarian? Yeah. Decent player. Oh, yeah. Give him a chance. Orsolini. Orsolini. Freaking a, yeah. Play these guys. These guys can provide some service, and you'll start. You'll be amazed. The Santander, a, a, a Falcinelli can score. You know, with the with the quality and with the potential that players like that can bring, and that's the problem here. Now, Genoa, credit to them to get the win, um, and to get shop closed up because last time we saw them, they were a horror show against uh, um, Sassuolo. You know, giving up five. Uh, you know, so it was good to you know for them it was good to be back on track. Um, but uh, Piatek is is looking a player here uh, for for Genoa and a in a guy that uh, a guy that they're going to be leaning on for goals and, and when it's all said and done, Piatek could probably be, end, end up being between ten or twelve goals before the season's over with. He's on uh, four goals and through three games thus far, a co-leader in the league with Gregoire Defrel of yeah. all people. Um, he's got eight goals total so far this season through all competitions. Uh, good for him. Uh, good find for Genoa there. Uh, speaking of goal scoring, uh, are we going to start a Piatek uh, uh, goal tracker? I mean, <laughs> we he's got four do. goals through three let's, games. Let's give him one more week to see if he. Gets no, let's one. do it now. Are you All kidding right, me? Go for it. We're going to do it right now. Okay, so he's got four goals. Times thirty-eight divided by three. So he's on pace for fifty goals. Oh, look out, 51, Ronaldo! <laughs> Fifty-one goals. That prolific, that prolific Genoa, <laughs> because of Piatek. Exactly. <laughs> they need to score goals just to keep the goals out because they're not going to stop anything. So they did right, this the, game, but that's Bologna. The, the Ronaldo fanboys have been waiting. Get on with it. <laughs> well, we're going to go to this one. It's Juventus hosting Sassuolo at the Alliance Stadium, better known to you and me as the J. Um, Juventus fanboys have been crying that they, the team looks so bad. We're, we're not scoring. Well, finally, you get your goal, boys. Get some goals. Uh, two goals in this one for Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. In the 50th minute, a very fortuitous bounce. Uh, defender, some reason, trying to shoot it on his own goal. Hits off the post right to Ronaldo for a tap-in. Uh, in the 65th minute, beautiful left-footed shot to beat the keeper. Um, Kuma Babakar would get a consolation goal for Sassuolo in the, nine, in, the, in the first minute of stoppage time in the second half. To make it 2-1, but the story of the game, Frank, uh, Douglas Costa with his red card. Oh, he's in trouble. He spat. Yeah. He's, he, he spat at, well, but it's Juve. He might get just a one-game ban. <laughs> he might get a, yeah, he might get a, a, a bonus or something. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. So, no, I mean, this is this is serious and it's unacceptable. Um, you know, I think a minimum. I, I honestly think the book I, five a five game ban at least for some of the behavior and for some of the conduct. Um, and a Juve fan might be listening to this and say that's harsh. Well, I'm sorry. I it, if if you think that's harsh, I'll you know let me know where to meet you so I can spit in your face and you tell me how you like it. So, um, yeah, and, and it's sad because I, I I think the world of the guy in terms of his talent, in terms of what he can bring, and you know if it's not for some of the players and all of the shuffling around the leg he's doing, Douglas Costa could have a regular place in this team. Um, you know, I was saddened by how Brazil used him in the World Cup because, well, they didn't use him. Um, they continued to rely on. I, I I thought he was a better choice than William for how they were set up for the World Cup. They used him very well against the USA in the friendly, and he just dominated the team. Exactly. Um, so that's why he should be playing. Yeah. So, but like, you know, it it, it 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 obviously it marred the. Brace from Ronaldo, but Ronaldo was just head and shoulders the best player in this game, too. I mean, he could have scored four or five, um, generated a lot of chances in this game. And, and I thought that Sassuolo was just the defense where he could finally eat. Um, said so in my Fearless 5 video. Um, so, you know, he's off and running and just in time for the Champions League, as we discussed. Yeah, Valencia are going to be... Uh... <laughs> Saddened to see that he got on the score sheet this weekend. Um, Max Allegri did come out after the game and said that he, they will find uh, Douglas Costa for the spitting incident. Uh, but he, the real question is, what is uh, Serie A going to do? And um, the right thing to do is suspend him for games, not just one game, because that that was atrocious what he did. Five games, five games, Serie A. Have some balls. Yeah. Huh? Good luck with that. Yeah. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a game because it's Juventus. So <laughs> you you watch. Yeah, they're so. gonna be like, "Oh, Ronaldo scored two goals. Don't worry about it." Yep. yep. Well, let's uh, let's go to the other black and white team. Uh, Udinese. They would host Torino at the Dacia Arena. Uh, this game, as Frank called it in the Fearless Five, ended in one-one. We had a goal in the 28th minute by Rodrigo De Paul. Um, nice goal there, but only to be outdone by. This goal nearly made it into our top five. Uh, Sahilo Mete, uh, the Frenchman, in the 49th minute. Uh, beautiful goal, upper 90. Uh, this guy's got two goals in the season, and he's found his uh, scoring touch in Serie A, Frank. Um, Torino are going to need him if they're going to want to get some uh, good results this season. Honorable mention. Put it in the videos, the honorable, like like we did with Antonucci a couple weeks yeah. ago. So uh, it was it was a well-taken goal. Um, and uh, I believe it was, you know, Soriano set him up on it. Um Balanced game is with balanced game, which is what I thought was going to happen between these two teams. Although Torino had a lot more possession, it looks like under Velasquez, Udinese is going to be a soak and strike kind of team, and that's exactly how they got their goal. Um, uh, the, the the guy I touted before the season began in our preview, Ignacio Pusetto, he's he's had a couple of impressive games here, uh, you know, so far for the Friuli, uh, and he had the he actually had the assist, he had the. He he got the ball across to DePaul on the goal. Um, you know, a game where you would think, you well, know, Andrea Bellotti would eat. Con- concerning here that um, that Bellotti's only got one goal through four games, considering the teams that Torino have played. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, the teams that they've played, you thought he would have had a handful of goals already, and, and he hasn't. And 
I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if he's um, trying to do too much more than just score goals. I mean, the, the year that he had the 28 goals or whatever it was, all he was doing is scoring goals. He wasn't trying to really get assists, play playmaker, and he this. I think now he's trying to do it, do it all, trying to be Mister Torino, and I think that's it's taken away from his goal scoring, and he needs to just focus on that. Let Adam Lajic and the rest of the guys, Iago Falke. I mean, he's a special player. Let him set you up. Don't don't you don't need to do any more. Just you know, worry about the goals, and and I think hopefully that'll come with him. But yeah, it's very worrying for me because. Um, you know, for, for the Italian national team, especially, you know, he's supposed to be the next goal scorer for them, and the goals are drying up, and we didn't think this would happen. So, you know, we were talking about years, a couple years ago. You know, is it class or is it, um, or is it form? And it's looking like maybe that was just form. Yeah, it, it, unfortunately, it is, and uh, they may be without. They're going to have to probably wait for that service from Iago Falke. He left this game injured in the 18th minute. We don't know anything yet. You know, as to the extent of the injury and how long he's going to be out. And I guess there was VAR controversy in this one. Um, just looking at uh, a piece here on Football, uh, Football Italia. Um, the direct, Torino director, Gianluca Petracchi, was furious after their goal was incorrectly disallowed in the draw with Udinese and VAR protocol was not followed. Um, this was the same as Inter uh, kind of play kind of crying foul with the uh, DeMarco situation. There should have been VAR. Um, let's see. It looks like – did you see this incident? It looks like it was a uh, – Berenger – yeah, it was a. It was Berenger heading the ball. It was a Berenger header, and it was on its way to net, and the referee raised – and the linesman raised his flag for offside. And – once the whistle's blown, VAR can no longer be used on an offside. Correct. So there's no chance to go and see and see if Berenger was level. So it's like, it, you know, because they did that at the FIFA World Cup. They said, okay, when in doubt, just keep the flag down. Yes. And we'll go to VAR and see if he was offside. Well, this linesman sh- probably should have kept his flag down and let the thing, you know, run its course, and then they can go to VAR to verify the goal. But it's not a situation where it was offside, balls headed in, because it's one of those where whistle blows the play dead, you know, it's dead there, so whatever action after that is null. So, um, so Torino did get hosed on that a little because uh, I did go and I looked. I did go and I looked at that highlight, and I don't think Berenger was off was offside. So, um, it was uh, it was premature at best. So you know when they must um, get up there, you don't even think about it. you just you just plead the, plead the case against you or for you, and you don't think about it. In hindsight, they'll see the video and realize they were wrong. Right, right. So, but um, you know, it didn't happen. So I'll be happy with getting this getting getting this result exactly right in the fearless five. <laughs> That's right. Uh, onward and upward we go. Uh, we're going to uh, the next one. Uh, one of the most hostile environments in Syria. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Stadio Carlo Castellani. Um, it was Empoli hosting Lazio. Uh, Lazio have been struggling this season, and uh, they were playing a team that like Empoli who who started the season quite well for, for what they were expected to do. Um, unfortunately for them, there would be one goal in this game, and that would come from Marco Parolo in the 47th minute. Um, it's about Lazio are still getting their victories now, Frank, uh, but they're they're not doing it pretty. And, and, and Empoli put up a good fight. Caputo and the boys, they nearly they nearly equalized a couple times. Yeah, my, uh, my distant cousin out there uh, <laughs> really scored again. I like the way Empoli play. Um, I watched a little bit of this game, um, and they they had Lazio in some trouble. 
Um, you know, they, they, they didn't turn it into dangerous chances. Um, you know, and in fact, uh, you know, Strakosha actually ended up making a couple of big saves in this game. But after that, there wasn't much to shout about with what Empoli did, you know, with the little bit of superiority in possession that they had. Um, you know, the, uh, this is a team that, you know, I'm starting to come around to the, uh, was it you and you and Rosella both said that Empoli uh, probably stood the best chance to stay up? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, and I'm kind of coming around to that thinking. Um, you know, the way they're playing, they're taking it two teams. They 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 seem to be a little bit fearless. I'm concerned about the lack. I'm still concerned that there's going to be a lack of gold with Empoli, much like what got them relegated two seasons ago. Sure. Um, but the way they're playing, if they can if they can hang in there, that may not be so much of a concern. Um, Lazio, on the other hand. Um, you know, when you're struggling, you, you take three points any way you can get them, um, knowing you can be better than this. And I think that that's kind of the situation that maybe Lazio find himself in. I think they know they're a better team than the way they've been playing and the start they've gotten off to. Uh, the casual Serie A fan knows they're a better team than the way they've been playing and the start they've gotten off to. they just got to go out and do it. Milinkovic Savic needs to uh, stop reading his press clippings. Immobile's got to start getting on the score sheet more. This team's got to get themselves back into a rhythm. But in the meantime, if they can just – you know, go out and find ways to get three points. Okay, they did it at home against Frosinone. They did it away to Empoli. It's still three points you're supposed to get, um, no matter how that sausage gets made. So, um, you know, so I think that uh, it's one of those Lazio fans are saying, hey, we can live with it. It's a win. You know, and, uh, you know, we'll move on and hope we can just continue to get better. Uh, no doubt. And I think for Empoli, if they want to get to, you know, they need Antonio Lagomina to start getting some goals. It can't be uh, it can't be Federico uh, Caputo to do everything. Um, he needs he needs a dance partner like uh, he had done Roma last year. So, um, yeah, there, I mean, there's 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 still got a lot of hope in this in this season and and Lazio as well. And let's see what they do in in uh, Europa League coming up this uh, this week. All right, so on to the next, the, the last game on Sunday night. Uh, it would be at the uh, Sardinia Arena, Cagliari hosting Milan. Um, this game would be uh, an interesting game. It started out fireworks for uh, Cagliari. Um, they nearly scored a goal right away. Rebound comes out. Ja Pedro would score. Guy who just came back from suspension scored in the fourth minute um, to give Cagliari the lead, one nothing. Um, Game would go into halftime by that score line. And then finally, Milan's uh, new golden boy, Gonzalo Higuain, would get his goal in the 55th minute. Um, teams has traded chances the rest of the game, but the game would end 1-1. Um, this game, a good result for Cagliari or a poor result for Milan? Uh, it's more dropped points for Milan. Um, but I can't help but be impressed with Cagliari right now. Um Three out of the four games they've played in this season, they've in the last three games, in fact, they've had the lead. Um, you know, they they had Sassuolo beaten, and Sassuolo, you know they gave up a, a, a 97th minute penalty that Boateng would score. They beat Atalanta one nil, and then they they held the lead for they had a lead for a relatively long period of time against Milan. Now I think, you know, a couple of a lot of moving parts with Cagliari's goal. Um, Milan got caught maybe being a little bit too high after being in Cagliari's third, trying to create a chance. And uh, they got direct and they got in behind Romagnoli with Pavoletti, which Donnarumma saved and went off the post. 
and then uh, you know Joao Pedro got to the second ball, um, and uh, and and finished it off. But I think that that was a microcosm of what we were seeing maybe in the first 25 minutes of the game. The midfield for Milan looked completely lost, and really had a really was not even picking up anybody. You know, Joao Pedro had room, uh, Farias had room. Um, you know, these guys are getting freed. Barella had another one that was off the post. Cali could have been ahead 2-0, uh, you know, the first 10 minutes of this game. Um, you know, and then finally Milan settled in, tried to generate some chances. I thought that uh, Chalhanolu played poorly um, and was correctly substituted. Um, he had a broken finger, but I can't see how that would impact his play. Uh, you know, I thought that... Um, like I said, the midfield was overrun a little bit. I thought that Bonaventura was average in this game, largely because, you know, part of the reason why Milan wasn't picking, you know, the midfield weren't picking up anybody is because that's not really what Bonaventura does. Um, and then, uh, you know, Suzo was looking dangerous, cutting in, creating some chances. He forced a couple of nice saves from Cranio in this game. Um, and Iguain's goal was just an opportunistic situation where it just, it was in between a couple of Cagliari defenders. He raced to it, uh, you know, took a nice touch past Cranio, and it was a typical Iguain finish, you know, yeah. just, um, you know, just got it done. But uh, Milan dropped two points here, and they now have, I think they've dropped five points. I think it dropped five points, and for me that's more glaring than the four points that they have because they had the 2-0 lead at the San Paolo against Napoli. They need to find a way to finish chances. If the service to Higuain's not getting there, they've got to find other means to score goals. Uh, that sitter Jack Bonaventura missed uh, is un- unspe- unspeakable because it's on the goal line. How do he miss? Agreed. 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 So, you know, so, but if you want to take the glass half full of approach, Cal- at Calgary is not the easiest fixture in the world. We've talked yeah. about that in the past. Going to an going to one of the island places to have to play a game, it's not always easy. And Milan have had some success through the years, you know, scratching out results at that place, whether it's draws or very narrow wins. So, you know, the draw is kind of an on-schedule thing. And But if you're trying to make the jump from Europa League to Champions League, this is a game you got to win. So Absolutely. Uh, for me, this was dropped points for Milan more than it was an earned point for Cagliari. Although, don't underestimate what Cagliari's done here in the early part of the season. Um, I don't think that they're going to be a top 10 side or challenge for Europe or anything like that. But the pieces are in place going forward in the way Rolando Moran has these guys situated that they're going to be a little pesky here. I'm, uh, I can't believe we're talking about Rolando Moran's team like this, but I mean, it, hey, they deserve it. They got great players. They're playing really well right now. So, uh, kudos to them and kudos to their manager, uh, for making them play so well. You're a perennial bottom half side and you just won at Atalanta and you just drew Milan. That's, that's pretty good for your, for your prospects of, you know, maybe trying to scratch away into the top half of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, that team has a lot of promise, and, and you know you got a youngster like Nicolo Nicolo Barella. Um, you got to keep on to him and 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 get everything you can out of him because he's a he's a special player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that would wrap up the uh, Sunday slate uh, in the weekend, really, except for there's one game left, and uh, that's at the Paolo Mazza. Spa is going to host Atalanta on Monday, two thirty two thirty game time Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Frank. Um, 
you got two teams, Spal who's who's punching above their weight, Atalanta who have had an up and down season, but they have a lot of firepower. What do you see out of this one? I see a draw. Um, that's a very hard place to go and play. Uh, and I think that teams of Atalanta's strength have had a hard time going out there and scratching out results. And um, I think that this is the kind of game where Spall could be – I mean, Spall is, I think, the new dentist chair, Richard, this year. Um, yeah, I, I like Gen- that. Like where it was that. Genoa last year. And I think that they're going to be willing to absorb what players like Papu Gomez are going to be able to throw at them. Um, you know, it's, and they've got just enough quality going the other way to carve out, a, to, to carve out or scratch out a goal, whichever way you want to say it. So I'm going to say this is one, one. Um, I think Atalanta are going to have about 60 to 65% of the possession in this game. Um, Papu Gomez is going to be winging crosses and shots like crazy, but Atalanta is only going to get on the end of one of them or Gomez is going to score himself and, and Spall is going to find a way to get one. And I think they're going to share the points in this one. Yeah, that's a, that's a good shout. Uh, I like that you said that Spall is going to be the new dentist share this year. And I can certainly see that, um, they're, they're going to need to play like that to, uh, to stay up this year. And, uh, we'll see what Atalanta is made of. Um, if they can go out, find a way to get a point in that dentist share, get three points at that dentist share. That's, that's good things to head into Europa League, or they're not going to Europa League. Sorry, Atalanta fans. Um, but no, it'll serve them well for the rest of the season. So um, let's see what kind of game we got. I think it's going to be an open game. Uh, we'll see uh, how many goals we get. Um, hopefully we see some Papu dancing. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It, uh, I think it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting game and it'll be worth, it'll be worth your time if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to be able to watch it. So, that wraps it up for match week four. Uh, looking at the table, Juventus, uh, Richard, uh, 12 points, Napoli, nine points. It's as if it was just last year, right? <laughs> Some things never change. Yep, yep. So that's at the top. Sassuolo with the defeat, still still in third. Sampdoria trending now. Uh, and on goal difference, on and only played three games on six points. Fiorentina on six points. Um Spall and Genoa all on six points, only having played three games. So we'll see what Spall does tomorrow, like I said. Sampdoria played Fiorentina on Wednesday. That's an interesting game there. Yep, that, that's their makeup game. So uh, that should definitely be an interesting encounter, the way um, the way both of those teams have been running. You know, Fiorentina is a little bit of a setback against Napoli, but certainly, certainly capable on their day. So that'll be a fun one there on Wednesday. It's going to get lost in all of the Champions League uh, sure, uh, sure. games that are going on. But... Uh, you gotta if you can find a way to uh, to, car, to to check that one out. Definitely do it. So uh, looking toward the bottom, like I said, we've got Kievo there on minus one, Bologna and Frozenoni on one. I mean the the three they they it's harsh on Kievo because they got the draw at Roma. They fought hard at home against Juventus. They've had some tough opponents here to play in the opening stages of the season, but they're sitting there in the bottom three largely because of their punishment. But you add those, you give them those three points back, they'd be sitting in there anyway on two points. Um, and then Bologna and Frozenone, you know, neither of them have even scored a goal yet. Uh, and, um, in, in particular in Bologna's case, it's getting a little desperate. Yeah. Yeah. They need to find some way to some, people might have to start dressing to get some goals in. Uh, they're, they're, it's getting that dire over there with, uh, over Bologna. So they need to find out quick. Well then let's learn a little bit more about Bologna. Here is Richard Carmen's interview with Frederick Baca.
All right, ragazzi, we're back here with uh, Frederick Bacche. Um, this is a this is a very special podcast because we get to talk Bologna. Uh, it's, it's you know every now and then we talk about all these big clubs, but it's good to talk about the other clubs in the league, um, and it's especially important this season uh, with Bologna. Uh, so Frederick Bacche, he is a he's a Star Wars football literature. Perhaps not in that order. He's a writer at Sempre Bologna in Calcio Norge. Um, he's st- he's studying uh, journalism r- currently in Norway, and he's studied English as well. Uh, please give a well benvenuto to Frederick. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, man. It's uh, good to be here to talk about Bologna. You, you know, it's one of the reasons I started my site is I wanted to put Bologna out there on the map and in English because. Often the information about Bologna online is in Italian, you know. So I wanted to contribute. Very good. So first, first, thought, first and foremost, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yeah, it's good. Okay, <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> uh, I want to start off on the right foot. Um, so for our listeners, you know, you live out all the way out in Norway. How did you become a Bologna fan? Uh, well, it started when I was uh, when I was studying uh, at my previous university. I was uh, planning a semester abroad. And the University of Bologna was seemed like the best fit at the time. Okay. So I started to follow the football team just because I wanted to visit the stadium when I studied in Bologna. And I never got to do the semester abroad, but I kept on following Bologna. And that's the story, pretty much. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so currently, Sempre Bologna, is it, is it just you on the team or is there more, more guys uh, to write for you? Uh, no, it's just me. I'm try- I've tried to get other guys to contribute but i haven't had any luck so far and how long has uh sempre bologna, bologna been operating uh it's uh a, a little over a year now okay very good excellent um all right so coming into this season um you guys you know you got obviously people in zaghi as the manager uh you made some good signings you got skorupski and goal you know coming into the season what kind of were you very hopeful coming in, or were you very pragmatic? What was your thoughts when you saw this team getting assembled and the manager coming in about what the season for 2018-19 would be for Bologna? Uh, well, you know, I was hopeful that we would uh, improve on the last couple of years because the team under Donadoni, Donadoni was there was no apparent development. You know, you, we're just uh, finishing 15th, 14th. You know, and it was very boring uh, to follow Bologna the last couple of years. And then under Insagi, I thought, okay, we'll have to be patient with the, patient with the, new, with the new coach. But I thought we would see some developments, positive developments early in Insagi's tenure. But so far, there's, there haven't been much positive to talk about. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because... People in Zaghi is known as a as a goal scorer, a poacher. He brought in guys like Diego Falcinelli to come in there. Yes, he lost Simone Verde, but um, with 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 the strikers that you have there and the strikers that you have as a manager, um, and his his he's known for having these late night sessions, you know, to try to get the guys to get better goal scoring touch, touches. Um, it's got to be frustrating to you to see that the team is is struggling so much this early in the season. What do you attribute the slow start so far? Well, it's funny because Insagi, as you said, was a was a striker, but he's known as a defensive coach. His uh, Venezia side last season didn't score a lot of goals, and they were very secure at the back. But you know, 
the struggles uh, so far this season, it's still unexpected, you know. We have uh, decent strikers like Palacio, who has unfortunately been injured. Yeah. And Pacinelli came from Sassuolo. And we got hold of Santander, uh, the big, uh, strong striker from Copenhagen. But no goals so far. And we're clearly missing uh, Simona Verdi. So the question is now, you have zero goals through, what, four games. Yeah. Do you still have confidence in people in Zaghi uh, currently with the way the team has not been performing? Yeah, I have to. There, there have only been four Serie A games and the Coppa Italia game, so I have full confidence in people. Yeah, full confidence. I mean, and that's expected too. I mean, you had Donadoni too, and you had to ride that through and and see if what changes were there. And like you said, there was no development there, so hopefully uh, people can bring uh, significant change, especially you know not only defensively, also getting some goal scoring. Because if you guys want to remain in Serie A, which I, I you know. In our preview pod, we actually picked uh, with all the moves that you guys made. We picked you guys to finish near mid table. So um, to to get to that position or you know way out of the relegation zone, you need you guys definitely need to score some goals. Um, so you know the the big man that you guys had, Simone Verde, he's gone now. He was the the playmaker. He you know the guy had a right foot. He had a left foot. Um, he pulled the strings. He did everything. Who now takes over for the team now that he's not there? Yeah, well, that's the big question, you know. No one seems to take the responsibility of uh, moving the team forward and taking charge on the pitch. But I was hoping that uh, that Eric Pulgar, who was our best player last season besides after Verdi, yes, yes. Would, uh, I, hope, I was hoping that he would continue on his development last season and uh, run the things on the pitch from his, the base of the midfield, but he has been disastrous this season. And I cannot seem to understand what's happened with him. Another player who's had uh, who was brought in to help, you know, to help maybe you know make the team stronger and more formidable is you know, you know Blair Jamaili. Um, how has his season been thus far through the four four games plus preseason? Um, is he is he still? Way off where he should be, or is or is he right where he should be? Right, right where he should be at. Well, Blerim Zemaili, he's a good, hardworking midfielder, you know, and our captain this season. And he's he's not the most creative player. He runs a lot on the pitch, and he gets going and argues with the referees and so on. You know, we right. got a yellow card for that uh, yesterday. And he's a good player, but we need some more cre- creativity in the midfield, and that has been our biggest problem thus far. One of the players I thought that could, you know, bring that creativity was um, was number eight, Adam Neji. Um, for some reason, he's not been getting as much p- pitch time as he probably did last year. Um, is this something because Inzaghi is maybe f- favoring guys like like Destro or some of the other, some of the older guys that he's familiar with, as opposed to like uh, maybe say him or, or even Krajci and stuff like that? Um, what do you attribute, or what do you think about the talents of Naji, if I even pronounce his name correctly? Um, yeah. Can he can he be a catalyst for creative a creative spark on the team? Well, Insagi has uh, gone on record saying that this is Naji as a the regista in Eric Pulgar's role, and currently Pulgar is our main man at the base of the midfield. But the, now the next game will be quite interesting because Pulgar is suspended, so maybe Naji step, steps into the midfield. I don't know. Um, but I'm hoping we will see a change in formation because the 3-5-2 hasn't been working uh, so far. And I would also like to see Ladislav Krejci uh, on the left-hand side because he brings way more 
way more of an attacking threat going forward than the new signing Mitchell Dykes, who has been good, but Krejci is better going forward. Sure, absolutely. And uh, another young player that you guys have who hasn't been getting much pitch time, Ricardo Rossellini. Um, he is uh, another talented player that you have. He just hasn't had the pitch time yet. Um, do you think it just people in Zagas bringing these guys on slowly uh, so they can get their feet wet onto the team or is just being unfamiliar with them or doesn't have quite the trust in them yet to put them on the pitch? Well, I would like Ricardo Rossolini and the new Swedish uh, midfielder Matthias Svanberg to st- yeah, yeah. start games because they bring another skill set than the likes of Zemaili uh, and Andrea Poli for that matter. And you saw against Genoa last night that when Orsolini and Svanberg came on, we created a lot more going forward. So yeah. I would definitely use them from the get-go uh, in the next game against Roma. I, you have a very, very good goaltender now, and uh, Lukas Skorupski, um Do you foresee at least that being a position where you don't have to worry about as much anymore when you got a veteran like him who, who can make the big saves when you need to? Yes, Skorupski has uh, looked great thus far, and and he's not that old for a goalkeeper, you know. So we have a we're secure at the uh, between the posts for a long time now, I think. Okay, so we we've talked about how the team has come off to a, a slow start, and it doesn't get much easier for you guys. You get a an up and down team like Roma uh, coming up on the twenty third before you have to travel to the J Stadium and, and go against U, uh, Juventus, and then eventually go into Udinese and Cagliari. Um, what would you like to see points-wise um, f- during this four-game stretch, three, four-game stretch, uh, that you consider it a successful... Uh, is it looking for a goal? Or are you looking for three, six points? How many points are you looking for to make it a successful four-game span? You know, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and he asked me if I would like to lose 2-1, but to get the goal or play in the <laughs> nil-nil game. And I would take the point over the goal any day because... Uh, at the end of the day, it's the points that matters and not the goals. But we need to start scoring. And what what makes me optimistic is that Bologna has often played better against the better against the stronger teams, even though they haven't made a, gotten a few uh, gotten enough points out of the games. They tend to play better. So hopefully we can get a get a point against Roma. Juventus will be a loss anyway, and Cagliari. We must be Cagliari. Yeah, that that seems like a, a team that or a game that you guys must win. Um, obviously, you know you want people in Zagi to to succeed. Me as a Milanista, um, I I would want people in Zagi to succeed because you know he's always been a favorite of mine. Um, at what point in the season do you start? Your, you do you think your confidence will wave? Is there any point do you think you you just want to see him go through the whole season, or if they get off to a let's just say for example. 10 games where they hadn't, you know, haven't got a win or, or score. Is that, is that the point where you say, okay, we got to move on from there? Or what are you thinking? Uh, if we go into November and we still haven't gotten enough points uh, and we still struggle to get the goals, you have to ask the questions if, if Insagi is the right man for the job, you know? Yeah, I mean, we saw at his couple other stints how, or at least when he was at Milan, he wasn't the right man for the job. And, uh, you know, with Venezia, he did he did do fairly well there. And as you said, he's a defensive-minded coach. But at some point, you need to make sure the team plays well defensively in front of you. At least they have the pieces, I think, that are there that you guys can succeed. Um, I think there's still plenty of time. Luckily, it's the beginning of the season when this is happening. And uh, if you guys can 
do the right uh, lineups and and be very tactically astute. I think you guys can turn it around no problem and and make the a surge to the middle of the table. Um, who uh, who from the youth system, if if anyone uh, you can that you can pinpoint, uh, are you looking forward to coming in through the ranks and eventually being the next Simone Verde or, or whoever next catalyst for the team? Uh, well, from the youth system, you, also, you have the, like we talked about uh, previously, uh, Orsolini should uh, be making contributions, the same uh, uh, Svanberg as well. Yeah. Uh, another player is Godfred Donsov, hasn't played uh, this year thus far, but he should be making contributions. Donsov is a great player uh, if he's on his best, but you know he's struggled a bit the last year. Yeah, no, he's a he's a very talented player. I actually wrote a piece on him not too long ago, uh, a couple years ago, about him because uh, he's an up and coming youngster. A lot of people say there's not many young talented players in Serie A, and I said, no, I beg to differ. Orsolini, uh, Gofred Hunza is another. There are two guys are their prime example. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, Bologna and or Semper Bologna for that matter. Um, what pieces are you working on currently? No, I'm, currently I'm just writing about how I feel about Bologna, the uh, tactical trends in the Inzaghi setup. Uh, last night I published a piece uh, titled Bologna need, uh, Needs a Savior, Who is the Savior, you know? And I ranted about uh, wanting Ladislav Krejci in the lineup. Uh, so I'm just taking it day by day, writing how writing about how I feel, you know? No, that's great stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, looking ahead to the uh, let's look, let's forecast into the winter winter transfer market. Is there a player or a type of player that you are looking for that you would like to see come to Bologna to to help the squad out? Whether it be a well, striker, midfielder, defender, whatever. We we need a number ten. Simple as that. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Because I mean, once Verde left, uh, it was a big hole in your lineup. Um, yeah. And it was it was clear it's 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 evident in these first four games, you know. Let, let's let's wrap this one up here because uh, this is a uh, this is fantastic stuff about Bologna. Um, for our followers, if if they want to follow Semper Bologna, or your, your your articles, where can they find you at? Uh, well, it's semprebologna.com. dot com. That's the website, and on Twitter it's at semprebologna and Facebook at semprebologna. Uh, that's wonderful. And then, where can our Twitter followers find you? You specifically? Um, me specifically? It's uh, underscore Frederick Bakke underscore. Very good. We'll make sure we tweet that out for everybody. Um, anything you would like to plug uh, before we go, um, as far as your website or anything, anything at all whatsoever? This is your time. The floor is yours. Well, just visit my website. Answer my tweets, retweet them, and for anyone who's looking to write about Bologna, don't hesitate to be in touch. I would love love content on Bologna, but also on also content on Bologna's opposition during the season. That's excellent. We'll make sure we uh, help with the tweets there uh, and share it out because uh, we need to get uh, uh, teams like you, the teams that are not as known as the other ones. To get more forefront in Syria, for sure, and any way we can do that, uh, that's why we bring in you know Semper Bologna and other teams like that on here, just to to give them their time, give them their limelight, because it's it's much deserved. Teams like uh, 
Bologna have a great history and 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 as you were you were in the city you know what it's all about so um, this is this is it's great to have you on uh, Frederick absolutely appreciate it thank you for having me on all right you have a, a wonderful night sir we'll talk to you soon All right, excellent stuff from Frederick Richard. Great job with uh, uh, with your interview there, um, and uh, always good to try to get a little bit of insight on what's going on with some of the mid tier to uh, lower tier clubs in Serie A, and not just always put the focus on the on the big boys. Absolutely, we look at all the Serie A teams, not just the main ones, and uh, we try to give them love any way they can. So you know, fans of these smaller clubs, you know, please reach out to us because we certainly uh, love to talk Serie A of all the teams, not just the big ones. Yeah, we definitely would love to get the perspective and try to keep this thing opened up as much as possible. So uh, we we thank Frederick for taking some time to uh, uh, to talk with Richard and get a little Q&A going on Bologna. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Time, for, uh, time to do some shameless plugging, Richard. So uh, where can they find your offices for the uh, pest extermination? <laughs> you can find me online at r underscore k h a r m a n and i want to give a shout out to uh, a one zlatan ibrahimovic scoring his 500th goal with one of his be- most beautiful goals he's ever scored uh this weekend so if you haven't seen it go check it out it's a brilliant goal it was special definitely for his 500th for his 500th career goal i mean do you expect anything different with him though exactly it's uh it was it was very good so um, I'm at FTC underscore 21. Uh, we'll do another Fearless 5 video this week. Uh, and uh, I will be a guest on Milan Weekly Pod. I want to do a little plug for those guys, Marcello. And I, I don't even know who the president is over there. They, they, they talk about the presidential points. So we'll be talking about that. And, uh, but definitely looking forward to uh, letting it loose a little bit and just kind of talking about the team I support. Uh, so look out for Milan Weekly Pod when it comes out this week because yours truly will be their guest. And uh, I'm pretty excited about getting on there and talking about uh, the Rossoneri with them uh, and uh, sharing some of my stories uh, as a fan. So, um, And then uh, I'm still slacking on the Calcio Consultant blog. I promise there'll be something up soon, and you'll know, you'll know on Twitter when it is. But otherwise, go to at FTC underscore 21 for usual musings and uh, hot takes and predictions. Uh, on City uh, so at City uh, sit down on Twitter or Instagram is where you can go we're on iTunes we're on SoundCloud you can subscribe there we have a YouTube page please go there check out our videos check out our content and subscribe we're expanding we're uh, we're trying to uh, we're trying to reach everybody now so uh, special thanks to uh, Frederick Baca for uh, for his interview and for his time to uh, let us learn a little here about Bologna um, and hopefully uh, they can kind of get out of this little bit of a crisis that they're in on the pitch, at least, um, you know, under people in Zaghi and with the players that he has at his disposal. Um, so uh, enjoy the uh, Champions League and Europa League games this week. Uh, Richard and I will be back next week for another uh, edition of the Serie A sit-down. We do thank you for taking the time to listen to us. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao. <laughs> Sto